If you would please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24. This is God's Word. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things, he asked? I tell you the truth. Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pangs. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So when you see, the, so when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, Spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down to take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath, for Then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. See, I have told you ahead of time. So if anyone tells you, there he is, out in the desert, do not go out. Or here he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky 
and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. Now, learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day the Lord, your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth. He will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time. And he then begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and in an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. This chapter, as we've said, is in the context of the week, the days, just before Jesus was crucified. He knew what was coming. He had told his followers what was coming. And after he has said what he said to the crowds, as they're leaving the temple area, Jesus was having his disciples point out to him something. You check the other Gospels, it's there. They said, Lord, do you see these stones? Do you, do you see? I mean, this is huge. It is amazing. We had the privilege a couple of years ago of going down underneath the Temple Mount, and there are stones down way below that were around that mountain that... Uh, clearly were put there by man, but 
The scientists cannot figure out what technique was used. They can more easily explain the pyramids than some of those rocks that are down at the foundation level. It was very impressive. What was higher up has been rebuilt, but it was very impressive. So they're pointing it out to Jesus, and when they said to him, do you see these stones? Look at these massive stones. Jesus asked them, and that's where Matthew picks it up. Jesus responded when they were pointing out the massive stones. Jesus responded, do you see all these things? I tell you the truth, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. And that is precisely what happened in 70 AD. The Romans came and destroyed Temple Mount, destroyed the temple, destroyed the city, destroyed the people, scattered the people. In 70 AD, one generation after what Jesus said. He said, it's going to happen. And it did. Seemed impossible. I mean, how could that be? If you study history, not only biblical history, but just human history, you see that things that seemed immovable aren't. The things that seemed incorruptible aren't. You see that people who seemed healthy and strong are taken. If your security is anywhere other than the Lord, your security is a delusion. Not just an illusion, it is a delusion. You've been deluded into believing something that isn't so. The only security is in the Lord our God. His word will never pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away. The mountains will be thrown into the sea. Everything's going to be changed. Read 2 Peter 3. It's all going to get burned up one day. There's going to be a new heaven, new earth. And all the stuff that we thought was so important is going to be seen what it is, for what it is, and that is temporary. So, Jesus tells them this, and of course, they're, they're shocked. Well, they walk up to the Mount of Olives from where they had been at the temple. And as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and said, tell us... Uh, when will this happen? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus responds not directly and immediately to their question, but by telling them more about what's coming. And what Jesus describes here is typical of biblical prophecy, and that is you get some things that are near-term and some things that are further out telescoped together. Have you ever watched a ball game and seen the pitcher and the batter and the catcher and the ump and the people behind them all kind of 
brought together like this. If you see it in real life, things are further apart. If you see it with a lens that's designed to telescope things, then all of that stuff you can see. Have you, have you ever, anybody here ever watched a ball game? Okay, thank you. It's a little concerned you're sitting there like Presbyterians. Um, the, uh, no offense, Presbyterians, but you know it's true. Um, if you look out from my house and you see the mountain ridges, you see a ridge and a ridge and a ridge and a ridge and a ridge. But if you were to try and hike to that far ridge, you would find that there's a lot of land in between. Okay? Looking at it, it looks like just, you know, a, a stack of mountain ridges, but it's not. There are valleys that you're not seeing. There's a lot of terrain. And that's the way it is with what Jesus describes here. And we know that not only because it's consistent with the Old Testament prophecies, but it is consistent with other things in the New Testament. And it is consistent with what has happened in history. Because some of the things that Jesus described as happening in this generation happened 40 years later. Okay? But other things that Jesus describes in this same passage have not happened yet. Now, I'll give you some examples. He says, but then there will be, verse 21, great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive, but for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. Okay? If you believe that what happened in 70 AD was the worst worldwide catastrophe that has ever happened in the history of mankind, I would submit to you that you don't know what happened in 70 AD and you don't know what has happened since. Is that clear? And as a matter of fact, you don't even include in your calculations what Jesus said about the flood as it was in the days of Noah. What happened in 70 AD was catastrophic for the people who were there in Jerusalem. But it really, in my humble opinion, does not compare to the planet being wiped out and only one family surviving. Okay? That's just, that's just the way I do math. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. See, I've already told you ahead of time. But then he says, verse 27, For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Well, I'm, I'm not sure I understand exactly what that's saying. Well, then come down, verse 30. After the sun has been darkened, the moon will not give its light, and there are stars falling from the sky, referring to stuff in the sky that's falling, that looks like stars falling. Anybody here ever seen a shooting star? Was, was it a star? 
that, that fell down and, and hit the farmland in Iowa? No, it, it looks like it, but it's, we call them shooting stars, but they're actually uh, meteors. And uh, occasionally we'll see a comet, that's always exciting. But um, the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, the Son of Man will appear in the sky and catch this next sentence. All the nations of the earth will mourn. Why? Because the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. They will see who? All the nations of the earth will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky. Has that happened yet? Did that happen in 70 AD? I don't believe so. Coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. Wow. So there's some stuff that happened in 70 AD. And it was absolutely amazing and without precedent. But there's other stuff that is yet to happen. And that is clear. So what's the takeaway? Well, we're to be expecting the return of Christ. And we're to be prepared for the return of Christ. But Jesus says, no one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven or the Son, but only the Father. For those who uh, notice such things, some translations, most of them, all the modern translations say, nor the Son. That phrase is in some of the manuscripts, it's not in others. King James does not have nor the Son. Because some of the manuscripts don't have it. What, what, what is right? Jesus is right. Okay? His point is this, and here's what he says. Only the Father. Only the Father knows that. So if you add the phrase, nor the Son, does that mess that up? No. If you take away the phrase, nor the Son, does that mess that up? No. You come away with the same conclusion. Only the Father knows. Only the Father knows the day and the hour. And Jesus says most people are not going to be prepared. Most people, as in the days of Noah, will be eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, and then all of a sudden, destruction is going to come on them. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Verse 40 and following. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at a hand mill, one will be taken and the other left. So where can I be safe in Christ? That's the only place. Geography is not a cure. If you look at what is happening in the world and you say, oh my word, it looks like we're headed into the end times. I think I'm going to move to Argentina. You don't need to. If you're in Christ, you'll be fine in Milwaukee. Okay? If you're not in Christ, you're toast. And you can't get away from God's wrath by moving to another country. Well, but I think it's going to be worse in some countries than others. Yeah. 
uh, you don't want to be somewhere in winter when you have to flee on foot. My wife's ancestors, a uh, bunch of them, were from Glencoe, Scotland, where the Campbells were sent by the King of England to wipe out that clan of the McDonald's. And uh, so they came and asked for hospitality, and the McDonald's took them in, which is not always characteristic of the McDonald's, but they did. And uh, they took them in, and they fed them, and they housed them. And in the middle of the night, after a few days of getting these folks to trust them, in the middle of the night, they got up and started killing all the McDonald's. And the McDonald's mostly got killed. That group of McDonald's. But some were able to get away from the violent, murderous attack of the Campbells, and they headed out in very rough terrain up over the mountains in the snow and freezing temperatures at night. As I recall, more died from the elements than survived. A few really tough, hardy folks were blessed to survive. And my wife is descended from those people, and that's why she's tough. Okay? She's not mean, just tough. Jesus said, "Uh, you ought to hope that you don't have to flee in the winter. So you say, okay, we're moving to Panama. Because they don't have winter. No, but they do have mosquitoes and potentially malaria. So, if you want to be safe, where can you be safe? In Christ. In Christ. In Christ. Because you may be out working in the field with somebody else and they don't know the Lord. When Jesus takes his own, you're going to be taken. He's not. You may be working in the kitchen, grinding with a hand mill. Well, you're fixing some pepper to put on the food, and it's going to be good. One will be taken, one will be left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. The Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. So you must be ready. Be ready. Are you ready? That's the question. I've told you before that in my house when I was a kid, there was a sign over the door when we went out, and the sign said, what if it were today? That's all it said. Just a reminder. Whatever you were going to do, Whatever's going to occupy your time. What if it were today? Are you ready? Are you living for him? Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master, whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It'll be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Are you doing so? Are you doing what the Lord tasked you with? God has given his children 
good works to do. Ephesians chapter 2 not only tells us that we are saved by grace through faith, but that we're saved for the purpose of good works which God has prepared in advance for us to do. God has a job for you. God has responsibilities for you. Well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. That's not true. You know some things you're supposed to do. Yeah, but I want to know the big stuff. I want to know, you know, I mean, like, what's the, what's the, the mission? How are you doing with the small stuff? He that is faithful in little will be faithful in much. He that is unfaithful in little will be unfaithful in much. So why would God look at somebody who's saying, well, I can't be bothered with things like this, and say, oh, well, I just need to give you more responsibility so you'll step up. He's not going to. He already says he won't. But God promises this. Those who are faithful in the things that he's given them to do right now, he sees it. He'll reward it. Look what Jesus says. I tell you the truth, verse 47, he'll put him in charge of all his possessions. He's going to entrust you with more if you're faithful with what he's given you right now. But if you're unfaithful, then I guess I don't get promoted. No, that's not what he says. Suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time, and then he begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he's not aware of, and he'll cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Please notice who you're going to be stuck with for eternity. Weeping and gnashing your teeth. You're going to be with a bunch of hypocrites. A bunch of them religious people. The people you despised, and they were your excuse for not wanting to go to church, because the church is fellow hypocrites. Well, would you rather spend forever with them in the lake of fire? I don't think so. But Jesus says, and you remember, this is again in the context of the religious professionals who are going to demand his death in just a couple of days. Jesus says what awaits his enemies and those who claim to be his servants but only serve themselves. He says what's coming is destruction and eternal torment. Pastor, I'm hoping that maybe there's some sort of middle ground. Okay, You know, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to pretend that I'm you know, all in and just serving the Lord passionately, day in, day out, whatever I have to do, I do it for Him. I'm not, I'm not claiming that. But I, I, I haven't started uh, just partying with the drunkards. And, um, and so I'm, I'm hoping that I could be, you know, like, I don't know, in purgatory or something? <laughs> um, I mean, is there, is there kind of a middle place for me? No. Are you faithful or unfaithful? Are you surrendered? Or are you still trying to be your own boss? 
Are you willing to do whatever he asks? Or are you trying to give God choices? God, uh, if, if you'll do this for me, I'll do this for you. As if God needs us somehow. I, I'm sorry to say that a lot of preaching that I've heard in various places has, has basically suggested that, you know, God has this plan, but he can't do it without you. After all, we're his hands and feet, and we wouldn't want to leave Jesus incapacitated. He doesn't need us. He chose us. He wants to use us so that we get in on the blessing of what God has already said he's going to do. God doesn't say, well, I'm going to do this if you all will just cooperate. He says, I'm going to do this. I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He says, I'm going to refine those who are mine. And they're going to be holy, and they're going to shine through eternity. The question is, are you going to be in on that? Or are you one of the pretenders, one of the hypocrites? Jesus says it's not going to go well for the hypocrites. Weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth. I just have to point out that what's coming is more emphasis from Jesus on being ready. In this chapter, he talks about being prepared, being ready. It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so. And so we need to be ready, verse 44. Chapter 25 which we'll look at another time. The parable of the ten virgins, followed by the parable of the talents, followed by the parable of the sheep and the goats. Well, what's happening? Jesus says, you need to be ready. Let me tell you a story. The moral of the story is, you need to be ready. Let me tell you another story. The moral of that story is, you need to be ready. Let me, let me tell you another one. You know what the moral of that story is? You need to be ready. Now, how do we get ready? Well, first of all, by trusting in Jesus. But not just trusting him to take away our sins and get us into heaven. We need to trust him that having taken away our sins, the plan he has for our lives is for our good. Well, I think I'd be really good at this. God says, not today. Well, I'd really like to do this. Well, perhaps, but right now, do this. I've had so many jobs over the years. I was talking with a fellow that we interviewed for radio about time management, that he's written a book called Redeeming the Time, Jordan Raynor. It's a good book. I'm recommending it. But um, in the context of that, one of the things that came up is one of the jobs I had. I've shared with you about it. I'm not going to tell stories again this morning about that. But I was a janitor. 
Now, a lot of people would say that being a janitor is a detour from the path of getting ready to start a children's home. You know? It doesn't seem like, you know, I, I want to start a children's home. What do you suggest I do? Well, have you ever been a janitor? Okay. That was part of the path. Okay. As was babysitting people's kids. As was cleaning people's houses. As was being a chauffeur for an old guy whose family wouldn't let him drive anymore. They said, you can keep the car, but you cannot drive it. And so he had to hire me to be his driver. I got to do that for several people. And I spent time with some fascinating folks. I've been a night watchman. I've washed dishes, been a cook, been a busboy, been a server, done all kinds of stuff. I've even been a parent. I've been a pastor, I've been a youth leader, I've been the worship leader. All these different things, what in the world does that have to do with what God called me to do? Everything. Joseph was a slave in Egypt. And when he'd gotten all the good out of that preparation, God put him in prison. (laughs) You got to be kidding me. Well, someday, there'd be a man named Moses, and he would get a splendid education, and at age 40, become a fugitive from justice, or so-called justice. And he'd spend the next 40 years shepherding somebody else's sheep. He didn't even get to build his own flock. I mean, come on. When is my father-in-law going to say, hey, man, I think you've learned this? About time you start your own flock. Don't you think? And at age 80, when he's out in the middle of nowhere, God says, I've got a job for you. (laughs) No, uh, you need to get somebody else to do that job. God says, no, actually, I've prepared you. I would never have scripted it like that. David, the shepherd, God raises him up to be a giant killer. And then, and then, he gets to marry into the royal family. He marries Saul's daughter, Michael. Now, he doesn't just have a crazy king, he's got a crazy father-in-law. Same man. And then he spends years on the run, literally running for his life. It was all part of the preparation. I don't know what God has in mind for you, but I know that if you're in Christ, he knows that you need preparation for other things. Don't despise whatever he gives you. Does that mean I just have to take any job that comes along? No. But you be prepared to do whatever God asks. Every day, if you want to do the will of God, just write God a blank check. Say, I'm yours. My time is yours. 
My money's yours. My energies are yours. My talents are yours. My relationships are yours. It's all yours, Lord. No, I, I did that. We'll do it again today. Every day, yield yourself afresh to him. Say, Lord, have your way in my life. Father, thank you that you are totally trustworthy. Thank you that we do not have to be afraid to yield everything to you. Help us this day, we pray, to serve you joyfully and wholeheartedly. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.